I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Alexis the midwife. And I'm Becky the doula. Welcome to Notes from the Mother Box, where we will be having real and frank conversations about the highs and lows of the parenting journey. This season, we have had a fantastic partnership with Sophie Le Giraffe, especially as this year is the 60th anniversary of this iconic brand. Today, we are delighted to bring you this final episode of the season on Sophie's actual birthday. So we really hope you enjoy it. And please visit sophielegiraffe.co.uk to see the full range of Sophie products for mums-to-be and new mums alike. Please celebrate wherever you are listening by tagging your pictures on Instagram of your loved ones enjoying Sophie and hashtag notes from the mother box and UK. In the meantime, pop the kettle on, pour yourself a cuppa and enjoy our final episode of this season of the podcast. Today, we are so very excited to welcome national treasure, Annabelle Carmel, to the show. Annabelle is the number one best-selling baby and children's food expert, has written 45 books, has a complete children's food range out and received an MBE for her outstanding work in the field of child nutrition. It's an absolute honour to have you with us today, Annabelle. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. So Annabelle, you have clearly achieved so much in your career over the last 30 years. I certainly had, I think, about 10 of your weaning books. Who, um, who hasn't had an Annabelle Carmel weaning book? <laughs> I've got 45. I know, I feel <laughs> like I failed. <laughs> um, but would you mind taking us back and telling us how it all started? Yes, well, unfortunately, it started with a tragedy in my life. Um, I got married and I got pregnant, but it's only after two years of trying, so it was quite a long time for yeah. me. And uh, I had a little girl called Natasha, I was over the moon. And then one day, when she was three months old, she didn't look quite right, and I called a doctor, and eventually I persuaded him to have a look at her, which he did, and he gave me this lecture about how first-time mothers worry about their children, she was fine. Ugh. So I went back home, and the next morning she looked worse, took mm. us to another doctor, and he examined her, and then he said he was going to see another patient, and just left me. But when he came back, he said he hadn't gone to see another patient. He had tried to get her admitted to Great Ormond Street Hospital, because he thought there was something wrong with her brain, and that... I needed to get her to hospital as soon as mm-hmm. possible. There was no bed for her there, but I took her to St. Mary's, and then about five o'clock after doing a lot of tests, they did a CAT scan. And I remember going into this very small room, and they had this light box all around the room, and they put these, like, kind of, like, 
kind of x-rays of her brain up. It was just mm. awful. And they just said to me in a very matter-of-fact way, she would never be normal again or she might die. Oh. And they had to transfer her to Great Ormond Street Hospital because they mm. couldn't treat her there. And the first night she was in an ordinary ward, second night she was on a ventilator and she went to intensive care. And on the fifth day, they had a meeting with me and they told me the thinking part of her brain had probably gone. And what did I want to do? So they put her in a little dress and they put her in my arms. And after about four hours, she died. Oh, it was horrific. No, no. So, so it was a complete, it was like an out of this world experience because you just don't mm. think it's happening to you. And you wake yeah. up in the morning, think it was a nightmare, and then you realize it's not, and it was mm. the truth. Mm. So I didn't know what to do with myself, to be honest. I mm. just needed to have a child. So I went back to my obstetrician and I said, I can't wait another two years to get pregnant. What mm. can I do? And he gave me Clomid, which is a fertility drug. So I took that. And mm. luckily, within four months, I did fall pregnant. Thank God. Mm. But it wasn't the end of the troubles because um, when I was in labour, I called my doctor and he told me it was at very early stages and I should just stay at home because we'd be better off. Mm. And I called him again. He was in a restaurant somewhere, but he said that he'd be back home soon. And I put the phone down. My water's broke. I went upstairs and the baby's head came out. <gasps> Annabelle! And there's no one, in that, no one in the house except my husband who'd been to one antenatal class. Wow. <laughs> so he comes to look at me and he's like, oh my God. And he told me later, he thought the baby was dead because it wasn't breathing. It was blue. Oh, goodness. I mean, what do we know? I mean, he mm. thought because the baby's body hadn't come out and couldn't yeah. breathe. So anyway, I went down on all fours, gave birth to the baby. Then I couldn't really get the baby that close because of the cord. And it was mm. I was afraid, like, I'd break the cord. I didn't know what mm. we were doing, to be honest. <laughs> we were just so happy that the baby seemed to be okay and was breathing. Yeah. That was amazing. Then we called an ambulance and no one came for two hours. Oh, After two hours, an ambulance goodness. arrived and they said they couldn't move me because I was still attached by the cord to the baby. So that was actually hopeless. <laughs> they didn't help me at all. Mm. And then I think half an hour later, a doctor came who was helping someone else, but she was taking her time. And thank goodness he came just at the point that I was about to deliver the placenta. Mm. And that was the birth of my son, Nicholas, who was quite literally the world's worst eater. Oh, and I'm thankful to him for not eating because had he been a good eater, I would not be here at all because I wouldn't have written a book about feeding children. <laughs> so it was all because of his terrible eating habits that I wrote my first book, The Complete Baby and Other Meal Planner. Because as you can imagine, I was quite a fussy mum in, in, in some mm. respects, wanting my child to have the resources should anything happen to him. Of course. Thinking of course. that it might, just like it happened to Natasha. So I wanted him to build up his resources. And he wasn't having any of that. He wasn't eating and he was getting thinner and thinner. And I was thinking, no, I'm going to make sure that he eats well. So I just spent quite some time in the kitchen, like making up recipes. For example, he did not eat chicken. He hated chicken or any type of meat. But he liked apple. So I thought, what if I put some chicken with some apple and some breadcrumbs, sort of onion, a bit of thyme, make it into very small balls he could pick up with his fingers. Maybe he'd like them. And hey, Bristol, he loved them. And mm. they were my famous chicken and apple balls from yes. the complete baby until the meal plan that everybody makes now. And it was oh, both my children love those balls. <laughs> 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 and I made up avocado and banana and all sorts of things. And then I was running a play group with like 100 mothers coming every week. And I was giving them all my recipes. And they would say to me every week, what else have you got? These are so great. My yeah. children oh, love your recipes. And after a few months of giving out my recipes, they said to me, you know what? You should write a book about feeding children. And I thought about it and I thought it would be a great legacy to Natasha to make some sense of like her being yes. born and then dying. It was just, I didn't know how to come to terms with it. Mm. And in a way, it was my therapy as well, mm. writing the book. So I went up and down the country interviewing all the experts on children's food, paediatricians, allergy experts. 
And I got more and more confused because they all contradict each other. <laughs> I didn't know whether you give peanut butter at six months, nine months, one year, whether you give fish. It was so difficult. Mm. So I'm thinking, how am I ever going to write this book? Because they're all experts. They're all telling me different things. Yeah. So I remembered when I was at Great Ormond Street that they had the Institute of Child Health next door, which is the research arm of Great Ormond Street. So I worked with Margaret Lawson, who was the head of nutrition at Great Ormond Street and the Institute of Child Health. And that is the way that I got the absolute truth and properly researched scientific facts about what oh. you should feed your children. Oh. And it was way ahead of its time because yeah. I was saying she could peanut butter from six months, she should give iron from six months, and she should give finger foods. I'm like, mm. what is this woman telling us to do? She's mad. <laughs> but actually, you know, there was the LEAP study that was telling us you need to give, like, potentially allergenic foods early mm. because you have this window of opportunity when you can sensitize your child to these actual potentially allergenic foods. And now, in fact, if a child has severe uh, eczema, which is very closely related to food allergy, you should actually try and give them, under medical supervision, a small amount of peanut butter at four months mm. because that's the time when you can actually help them. Yeah. So... I was learning all of this as I was writing the book, which is the best way to write a book, know nothing about it and learn on the job, <laughs> yes. which is exactly what I did. And then yeah. I came up with this book two and a half years later, wrote all the recipes, tested them out on my playgroup, which is very lucky. I had all these like, babies and parents and no one wanted to publish the book. It was turned down by every single publisher. I think no. I went to 15 publishers. Literary agents like, laughed at me. They said, like, a book on feeding babies, you must be joking. No one's ever going to buy that. They just buy the jars, and it's commercially, it's just fatal, and no one's going to want to buy it. Mm. So I thought I'd wasted two and a half years of my life. But then I was playing tennis with somebody who knew somebody was a book packager, and I went to see them, and they took to Frankfurt Book Fair, and they came back to say that Simon & Schuster in America, which is a big publisher, wanted to publish the book. And then we revisited Random House, who then probably decided they'd tip their toe in the water if Simon Schuster decided to take mm. it. And it got published in 1991. I wrote it in 1988. That's how long it took. Oh, wow. And that book sold out completely within about two months. Then they reprinted it and sold out again. And now it's sold five million copies. It's incredible. And in two weeks' time, yeah. I'm... I'm actually launching the 30th anniversary of the book. It keeps on being updated, new recipes, new advice. So it's been through about eight different editions of this book. Each one, oh, wow. more recipes, more things in it. It's getting fatter and fatter each time. <laughs> and Annabelle, it's timeless. It's absolutely it standing mm. the test of time. Yeah. I mean, like you said, here we are 30 years later. And actually, really, that's a significant amount of time's gone past. And still, it is the go-to book. For, and th think about, yeah. like you said, five million. Five million. And to be honest with you, that's five million people who've bought the book. Think how many people have got it and then said yes, to their friend, you must the read this. Exactly. Absolutely. It's absolutely it's huge. Everyone I know who's a mum has a copy of that book. Yeah. It's extraordinary. I actually, I didn't have, like baby showers weren't a thing when I yeah. had Ella. So Ella was 2006, but I had been given, bought three copies of that book. <laughs> It's a good person because it doesn't you don't grow yeah. out of it like a baby grows. So it's yeah. great. It's perfect. And it's a beautiful mm. book. I mean, it's got beautiful photography. But the yeah. recipes are, it's got longevity because the recipes taste yeah. amazing. We still make the minute steak, which is like a bashed out, very, very, very thin steak in, in a caramelized onion gravy with mini roast potatoes. And I make it for my 30-year-old son. And it's his favorite <laughs> recipe. And he's from oh, the complete favorite dollar meal planner. Which is lovely. So you never grow out of this book. Yeah. I was going to ask you what, I mean, obviously um, you had the tragedy with Natasha and then you threw your heart and soul into writing. Yeah. I mean, now 45 books in her legacy, really, when you break it down, it's incredible. Yeah. And like you said, with your son, Nicholas, and him being a fussy eater and, and that side of it. And I just wonder, because you went on to have two more children, didn't you? I, did. I think alongside those yes. two. And what was dinner time like 
in the Carmel household. <laughs> I, I can't say it was easy to begin with because all of them were quite fussy. I was blessed yeah. with the most difficult eaters and Nicholas wouldn't sleep either. But because, you know, I'd lost a child, I was absolutely yeah. like, I was so happy having children. I, I wasn't complaining. But I thought, you know, dinner time should be a pleasant experience and mm. not a time when you're going to have a battle with your child. So I made the food look attractive. I made small portions. I didn't overload the plate. And eventually I found things that they liked mm. and they became very good eaters and very adventurous eaters. And now they're obsessed with food. They love eating and it's they're a joy. I mean, oh, you can't get it. more adventurous eaters than my children. And they turned, you know, from sort of three months to eight months, I think. You know, well, no, I think I fed them at about four or five months. Mm. By eight months, they probably ate quite well to be yeah. honest. But I carried on developing recipes and I spent every Tuesday just developing recipes for my books or magazines or food ranges that I make. So that's my great joy is still cooking and finding things that children will love. I always know it's good because if my children come downstairs and it's all gone in five milliseconds, mm. that's a good recipe <laughs> and there's none Absolutely. left for me. Absolutely. I remember your avocado and your um, banana mashed together, which yes. I never yes. would have thought about I know. doing. It's a funny combination. And, but it works so well Very for well. anybody. Yes. Really, really well. And I used to, when they were, I can't remember how old they would have been now, probably about six, seven months to starting with things. And I used to put it on... Um, a little bit of uh, brown bread, like a finger, yes. a soldier. And yes. I used to just mash it up and then just put it on the top and they used to suck it off. And they mm. absolutely loved it. So yeah, absolutely. Sometimes you just, you need someone like you. It's to give you the inspiration. To give, it? absolutely, yes. to share this inspiration, yeah. for so sure. So we do like curried chicken purees and things like that. Yeah, mm. I was going to say actually, yeah. the um, banana and avo is my favourite breakfast mashed on toast from oh, your really? book. From oh, I used to give it to the kids and then I thought, oh, I'll try it. And I still have it for breakfast now, which is so brilliant. One of the things that we get asked quite a lot from parents is how to get their fussy eaters to eat. And I know you've got a couple of books, haven't you, specifically yes for that what would be your top tips for dealing with fussy eaters so i think the problem arises when you kind of get a bit stuck in a rut and you just stick to those few foods that you know your child will eat because you want to avoid battles at meal times but then they have a very kind of very narrow diet mm. which isn't good for them mm. so a hungry child is a less fussy child it's that's common sense isn't it yeah but you buy these snacks in like packets that have no nutrition Mm. You know, they say they've got no Nazis in them, but they've got no goodness in them either. And mm -hmm. I just think that that takes away your child's appetite. You've got to stop and just throw all of those in the bin. Oh, you want to give your child a snack, you know, give them some fruit, give them some vegetables, give them peanut butter on toast, mashed avocado and banana on toast. Mm. At least you're giving them something good and it's yeah, like part yeah. of your, your nutrition. Mm. So I think that's the first thing, like avoid snacks. And then I think um, I made healthy fast food for my children. So I did things like my own chicken nuggets and I coated yes, them with things you did. like crushed rice krispies and crushed <laughs> yes. cornflakes. That's another one of your them. really yeah. famous ones, Annabelle, isn't it? And I yeah. remember making those. And again, I would never have thought of putting crushed rice crushed krispies, rice krispies on chicken. Yeah, it's very good though. And yes. cornflakes on fish is very good too. Mm. And making your own, ham there's a hamburger in the complete on the meal plan, which is just the most amazing hamburger. It's fantastic. And like, easy to make like muffin pizzas um, mm. so like loads of things like that work well um and then i think like foods from around the world work very well if i make like chicken and onion and sweet corn and tomatoes they'll look at it and think nah i don't want that but if you put it inside a quesadilla and you cut it mm. into quarters they're suddenly grabbing that quesadilla and they can't get enough so just <laughs> by sticking it between two tortillas you suddenly made it into like a really amazing meal yeah. and that is so simple mm -hmm. tortillas work wonders wraps quesadillas, enchiladas. Mm. So those kind of things are very simple to make. And also mini portions. I would make fish pie. 
and I would put it into a very small ramekin so that my child would have an individual portion rather than a dollop of very unattractive yes. looking mushed up potato with a bit of fish sticking out on a plate because children eat with their eyes and if they don't like what they mm, what they yes. see they won't even put it anywhere near their mouth that's so, so they true they don't like it, it but they haven't tasted it that's so true mine, mine yes. would sometimes refuse something just on the look just of it just on the looks yeah. exactly yeah so it's about that too and not putting too much on the plate and eating with them because they're yeah. great mimics yes. so if you munch along with them rather than like sticking a spoon in their mouth and you looking at them it's very it's very unappealing for anyone to be honest mm, absolutely <laughs> it's true actually I'm not sure I'd really enjoy being no, fed horrible. and stared at at exactly. the same time yeah. and then they get very independent and then it's about like giving them things they can pick up with their fingers and I've just written actually the ultimate finger food guide which is free mm. on our website it's also my app now and it basically tells you exactly how to cut cook and make any of these fruit and vegetables so they're safe. Because mm. people panic about giving finger foods and you've got to make them very soft. But also, you've got to realise like a big strawberry is fine, but a small strawberry has to cut into small pieces, yep. smaller pieces. Big strawberry you can't choke on because it's too big to stick in your throat. Mm. Small strawberry you could, so you have to cut that into quarters. It sounds mm. odd, but that's how it is. Mm. And when you make sticks of carrot, you need to have them fairly long because a baby holds them in their fists so it needs to stick out. But it needs to be very soft so they don't, chew on it and choke you, mm. you bite a bit off and roasting vegetables in the oven gives them that lovely caramelized natural mm. sugars that they're kind of accentuated so that's actually been very popular i used to love giving my little ones um sort of again like a finger of courgette or sweet um, yes. potato or butternut squash that i'd roasted yes and then they used to really enjoy it. and that fine motor skills that they yeah. develop and they sort of grab it and take it to the mouth and it's it's such exploration in the early days with with little ones isn't it when they're sort yes. of under one years old even going on from there really I'm surprised what they can eat i make ice lollies mm. and in the new version of the computer until the meal plan i make fruit and vegetable ice lollies so it's got beetroot oh. and yes. blueberries and strawberries in it and it's like it's got fantastic nutrients in it and when a child is teething they're off all their food except mm. for something cold so they'll eat that so i'll give them some nutrients and some like fluids as well and I do another one with carrot mango and orange and you get these very small mini isolate molds and it's interesting they'll drop all their other food but they will never drop their isolate <laughs> they hang on to it like dear life it's making me think Annabelle about the fact that quite often um, you know as, as a doula and a midwife um, Becky and I work with women who are experiencing a lot of nausea in the first 12 weeks of pregnancy yeah. and often if they can't they sort of you know, finding it tricky to have meals will point them in the direction for hydration of having a fruity, like natural fruit lollipop, like yeah. as in like as in a, an ice lolly. But actually, the adding the vegetable to it as well yeah. isn't that would work very well for the first yeah. trimester, wouldn't it, Becky? Yeah, it would actually. It reminds me of my husband when I was in labour once, and I was in hospital for one of my births, and he was having an apple crumble, and he put the custard on it, but actually it wasn't custard; it was mayonnaise. <gasps> he was oh. so nervous. <laughs> Calm him down. <laughs> that sounds horrible. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things I'm curious about, Annabelle, actually, just through the, the three decades of doing what you do, is that... You must have come across this, that in recent times, one of the things that we talk about often is being so time poor as parents. Yeah, that's true. And being time poor, then cooking for the family feels like it's a chore rather than something to enjoy. I've got a couple of questions here, really, actually. Do you think that's changed since the early 90s? Are we more time poor than ever before in our lives? Or is it 
is it something that we just, I don't know, like that maybe it's just spoken about more? I, I don't know what it might be. I think parents have always been quite time poor, to be mm. honest. It's always a struggle, especially if you're working and you go back to work and then you've got your children when you come home and then you're expected to put a meal on the table as well. It's yeah. really hard, which is why I make ready meals now. Because people mm-hmm. say, why do you make ready meals when you write cookery books? Well, not everybody is going to cook. Mm. And why not? I, I would be the perfect person to make a ready meal because I make my ready meal taste like a home-cooked meal. Yeah. And I've got so mm. many recipes at my disposal. But I don't stick to only the stereotype meals for my ready meals. You know, I, I don't only play it safe. Mm. So our best-selling meal in our children is a chicken tikka masala for children. Oh, of Lovely, yeah. And we're just about to launch a katsu chicken for them. Oh, I and love I love to explore this. And like, <gasps> the buyers are like, What? You're giving them katsu chicken. I said, yes, they love yeah. it at the age of one. And it's been so popular. And it's good because you're exploring new ground and you're giving parents the opportunity not to have to spend an hour in the kitchen mm. making something or even longer. And then the child just like dismiss it and doesn't want it. It's, it's mm. easier. It's not so stressful with a ready meal. You mm. know, you don't have to put all your energies and emotions into it. And they've been very popular. And now we've got frozen meals. We just won a, an award made for Mum's Award on our frozen meals because mums love them so much. Yes. And they are like a home-cooked meal and they give the parents more time to spend quality time with their children, which is nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And then on a Sunday or, a, you know, when they've got time, they can cook. Mm. Mm. You don't have to, like, you know, beat yourself up. It's like yeah. breastfeeding. Like, I, know. I always think, like, why should breastfeed the only part of your body that works perfectly? Some people wear glasses and they can't yeah. see properly without them. So if you can't breastfeed, you can just try or give them a bottle and they'll still be fine. And I always think about weaning, like, we've got to do the green vegetables and give them the spinach first and the broccoli. Well, they don't often like that. Mm. And also it can cause wind and all sorts of things. So if you start with sweet root vegetables, are my children still like broccoli and spinach? It doesn't yes. make any difference whatsoever. Now they say, oh, green vegetables the whole of the first week. Yeah. You try and do that for a child who's like never had food before in their life yeah. and has gone from milk to spinach. Yes. It's not easy. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Now for a little ad break. This season, we have enjoyed a fantastic partnership with Sophie Le Giraffe. Please visit sophielegiraffe.co.uk to see the full range of Sophie products, including the iconic original Sophie Teether and so much more. Now back to our chat with Annabelle. As well as your meals, which is fantastic that that's obviously available, you also have a book, uh, I believe it's called 100 Meals in Minutes, which again, looked at that idea of like, if you haven't got a lot of time, but you also want to, you know, knock something up, perhaps just open up your fridge and see what there is. How did that come about? I'm assuming that was because of these conversations with parents just saying, oh, I just, I come home from work and I haven't got any time to do this. What can I do? Well, I was trying to find things that didn't have too many ingredients mm. and could be knocked up in a very short time but still tasted good. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And that's actually quite a difficult book to write sometimes. Oh, interesting. But it worked quite well. My best-selling book has been The Complete Bone Tell the Meal Planner. And, and it's, like my, yes. it's like my fifth child in a way. It, yes. it, it started my whole career and I put my heart and soul into it and it has the most amazing recipes. And I still use it a lot to cook for the yeah. family. My fish my pie is, is amazing in there. And we're about to launch a frozen fish pie, which is fantastic 
I love oh, brilliant. it. Um, I know we've touched on this a little bit, but over the years, we have seen so many feeding trends. Uh, when I had Ella in 2006, it was weaning at four months. And then I had Izzy two years later and it was weaning at six months. And then we've had puree versus baby led weaning. And like a lot of aspects of parenthood, there's so much, I know you said this as well, conflicting advice and people get so confused. What's your thoughts on this, you know? I think what's really confusing is like if you start at six months, the way you wean your baby will be very different if you start at five months. It's mm-hmm. not the same. So if you start at five months, you can give fruit and vegetables for four weeks. It's absolutely fine. If you start later at six months, what you have to realize is that the iron that a baby inherits from their mother has started to run out. Mm-hmm. And also your baby's brain is forming at a very, very fast rate. And your baby now needs essential fatty acids. Mm-hmm. And milk, mm-hmm. yes, gave everything to your baby in the first six months. But it doesn't give everything your baby needs beyond the first six months. And just giving fruit and vegetables, which are low in calories, will not give your baby what they need. So you need to move on, at least on the third week of weaning, to giving them red meat or chicken or oily fish or some vegetarian equivalent. It's very important. And some people don't realize that. They think they can still do like fruit and veg, fruit and veg for ages, but you can't if you start weaning at six months. Right, of course. I wouldn't have thought of that at all, actually. It's a, so it's different. So I was like, what age is your child? When did you start weaning? And then I'll tell you how to wean. And it's yeah. different for premature babies as well. And it's different for babies with severe eczema because often they need to start mm. having things like peanut butter from four months. Mm. So it's different for babies depending on, on, on you know, what's, they're physiological, whether they are, you know, prone to have allergies and depending on when you actually wean them. And I think that the, one of the things that has changed is that this early introduction of potentially allergenic foods has mm. actually saved a lot of babies from actually developing an allergy. Yeah. Mm. So in my day, you were told not to give peanut butter and more mm. and more children were getting a peanut allergy. And now yeah. it's... It's you know, still quite a few kids, but it, it's, yeah. you know, it is helping check them. It's really interesting because a friend of mine, um, she gave her son some peanut butter quite early on in his weaning journey and he got a little rash. Yes. And so she actually did go privately to Great Ormond Street. There's a big allergy clinic there, isn't there? Yes. And she took him and they said, what we want you to do is give him this tiny amount of peanut yes. butter every single day. Yes, and right. she was like, what? Because of course yes. you feel alarmed by it, don't yes, you? Yes, of course you do. But I tell you what, it absolutely did the trick. Yes. And of course, it just, we- you know, it sort of weaned him out of almost the fact that that allergy could have perhaps yes. developed and become more severe. It's very interesting because with egg allergy, which is a very common allergy in mm. babies and toddlers, if a baby can't eat scrambled eggs or omelette, they can very often eat a biscuit or say a meatball has got egg in it, mm-hmm. baked into it. Give them those foods that they can tolerate with egg in and they're much more likely to grow out of that allergy than if you mm. just stop giving eggs altogether, which is what we were told to do. If a baby mm. had an allergy to eggs, just stop giving any eggs. Don't give biscuits, don't give cakes, don't give mm. anything. And actually, that wasn't the right advice. But we only learned yeah. that later. Yeah. Well, this is it. And that you look at the science and this is exactly what you've been able to do because you've worked with all of these specialists and you've looked at all of yes. the all of the reviews and the randomised control trials and everything. And so your weaning books are based on science and, and they're so trustworthy that I think, honestly, this is another reason why people often do turn to your books because they feel oh, yes. safe I there in those true. pages. Mm. Yes, and then there's also, you know, thinking about how things have changed. It's like vegetarianism mm. and veganism and how a lot of people don't want to give meat to their baby, which is fine and, they, and that's okay. But mm. you have to understand that an adult vegetarian diet is just not good for a baby because mm. we can tolerate a lot of fibre. 
babies need much less fiber and they need high fat in proportion to their size. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to be giving them lots of brown bread and whole grain cereals and loads of lentils. Mm. You need to give them white bread and brown bread and white pasta. Again, because, I didn't know this. Yeah, because lots of fiber will go into yes. their body and will deplete their body of the important iron mm. that you've got there by eating whatever it is. Right. And you'll deplete their body of iron. So it's very important. And the other thing to realize is that iron from a meat source is very easily absorbed, but iron from something like spinach or mm. whole grain cereals, it may contain iron, but you can't absorb it. Unless you have vitamin C at the same meal. You just can't unlock it at all. Yeah. So people sometimes don't know that. I think a lot of people wouldn't know it, to be honest with you. No. Yeah. I think the difficulty when you're vegetarian or vegan is, is the fish, is the oily fish and how to get... I think mm. you really need an omega-3 supplement because it's very difficult to get it from seeds. Although they contain some omega-3s, it's in very small amounts. You'd have to eat an awful lot of seeds and the baby just couldn't. So mm. it's quite good to be a vegetarian and eat oily fish, if that's possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's an okay thing for a baby. So be a pescatarian, sort I suppose, of pescatarian. bring that, that yes. side of it in it. Yes. So you've written 45 books, as we've mentioned, which is absolutely incredible. And Becky and I have written two books and that took three <laughs> years of our life. <laughs> so we really well, we were talking about yeah. this. We I'm were literally... 20, 20 times as old as you, that's probably... Oh <laughs> my goodness, though. But we were talking about it the other day and we were just saying 45 I books. Oh, I mean, do, does yeah. that just feel so bizarre even when you think about that? It does, but it also seems bizarre if I'm not writing a book. I'm thinking, why am I not writing a book? Right. <laughs> Since I wrote my first book, I've been writing a book every year. And this year I have two books wow. out. I have the 30th anniversary edition of Complete Bone to the Meal Planner, which is lovely. And I've written a fantastic kids' cookbook, which comes out in September. And the oh, illustrations and the recipes, and they're just, it's beautiful. It's, it's, I'm so excited about this book. I think it's like a whole trend in kids' cooking. What I want to do is like Zoom classes where you get the nation cooking yes. on the same yes. recipe with their children. You should Because do. children be love critical. to cook and yeah. you bond yeah. with your child and they learn so much. They learn about maths, geography, mm. so many things. Mm. They make a terrible mess, but eventually it teaches them how to cook, which they could, it's a life skill. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Oh, it really, really is. So apart from the complete baby and toddler meal planner, which I know obviously, like you say, was your fifth baby. Yes. If I take that one out of the equation for yeah. a moment, out of the others, what was the most fun to write and which one sort of really sticks in your mind over the three decades? It was actually the app. It was going oh, from really? a book to an app. So my publisher wanted to do an app with me, but I thought, you know, they kind of own a lot of my content already. I think I'll mm. do it myself. Halfway through, I thought, what? Why did I ever do that? <laughs> it's so much work. So I, I, I launched my app a long time ago, really, maybe seven years ago now, yes. something like that. And I put a lot into it. And yeah. now it's been, it's gone through many different variations. And I've got an amazing app developer, an amazing digital side to my business. And it's the best selling food and drink app in the entire yeah. UK. Incredible. It outsells everyone. Jamie Oliver, mm. you name it. BBC Good Food, my app sells mm. most. And it's Brilliant. on babies and toddlers, which I feel very chuffed about. Yes. And it's great because you can put in dairy-free and all the dairy-free recipes come up or you put in breakfast all the breakfast recipes come up. It's so simple to use. And then if you're out and about in a supermarket, you can just think, oh, I want to make chicken. And you just put mm. chicken in and all these chicken recipes come up. And if you think your child has an allergy, it's an allergy tracker. So you take a picture of whatever reaction your child has and you take a picture of the food they've eaten. You note down what was in that food and they've got your food diary on your phone for when you go and see your doctor. Fantastic. It's really helpful. Very reassuring and helpful. Yeah, it's a fantastic app. 
Absolutely. We'll, do you know what, Annabelle? We're going to put all of this information into the show notes so that Thank anyone you. who's listening to this yeah, can go down I'll and have a look. That to everybody. Because that sounds incredible. I do have to ask. I know you've spoken about your chicken and the apple balls, and I know yes. that you know there's a few that we've mentioned already. <laughs> what is? Give us a couple of your other favourite recipes that you've done over the years, or finger foods, or just something yeah. that you, you're really proud of. Oh, I have an amazing banana banana cake, banana bread. It's yes. in a book called um, Weenie Made Simple. It was my go-to recipe. Everyone made banana bread, didn't they? I mean, it wasn't yeah. lockdown, I just didn't make banana bread, but mine is like <laughs> yeah, amazing. And it has all this like things on top, like pumpkin seeds and things. It's got yogurt in it and it's Ooh. fantastic. We lift off it, it was brilliant. So one of my favorite recipes as well during lockdown is on the website, it's a seared tuna salad with a Japanese dressing. Oh. It's absolutely divine. And this evening, I made my chopped cob salad, which has an amazing dressing as well. I mean, there's so many recipes I love. I mean, it's hard for me to pick any of them. Your children are so lucky, Annabelle. I know. No, what happened was my son got very bad COVID and then he yes. developed pneumonia. Oh, and no. he was living in a rented flat and he moved in and gave up his flat. And he's still here. He's only still here because of the food. Well, says, I would yeah. be too. I can't be that, he said. I come downstairs, there's all this food. He ruined it for me. How can I possibly go and live my own now? Well, when your so, mum's Annabelle Carmel and she's doing all of her testing and yeah. tasting in the kitchen. He just comes down surprised. there's something else new in the kitchen. Like, you know, oh, what's that? What's this? Like, and he loves his food. I've made it impossible for him to ever live on his own now. <laughs> Which is actually fantastic. <laughs> So finally, we always like to finish an episode by asking our guest, if you could write a note to go inside a mother box, heading out to a new mum with your best bit of advice on it, what would it say? So I think it's kind of what I did with my life, really. I think you've got to follow your passion. You've got to figure out what you love and what you're good at and have the courage to do it. And I always think the opposite of success isn't failure. The opposite of success is not trying. I Mm. thought, how am I ever going to write a book I couldn't even type? And I wasn't a nutritionist. But in the end, because I love cooking and I'm really good at making things taste good, I wrote the best-selling children's book mm. because it was my heart and soul in it. And it was my like my cooking skills and mm. my knowledge and the research that I put into it. But I decided I put my mind to it and I really enjoyed the whole process. And I came up with a book that other people love. And I love what I do. Everything mm. that I do, I love. I mean... I'm so lucky to have a career that's very varied and helps people. And my whole raison d'etre was to create a legacy for Natasha, to make something oh. come from a short life. And the why you do something. And that's why I do it. And yeah. so it's a very strong kind of reason behind everything I do. Absolutely. And I think that's, that's so very beautiful. important. I think that if you're a woman and you mm-hmm. have a child, sometimes you might have become a solicitor or you might have done a job that you just cannot continue because mm. you don't want to be in an office until eight o'clock at night mm. so you've got a yearning ambition to do something but you haven't got the confidence to do it i would say just do it just go ahead mm. and do it and try it because you know what everybody else seems to be the expert but you can become the expert mm. and i became the expert and you, you know did. because i was i had a thirst for learning and understanding and asking questions and you know, I didn't want to just say, oh, you know, like you can't give her eggs. Well, why can't you give eggs? And when can mm-hmm. you give us eggs? And like questioning it mm-hmm. and then getting to the bottom of it. So you knew that you were giving advice and why you were giving it. Yes, absolutely. So I think that that's good advice. And I think that yeah, I have a passion for what I do. And it gives me a zest for life. And I had yes. uh, lunch today with the first woman CEO of a big supermarket chain. Her name is Jo Whitfield. And mm-hmm. she is the head of the largest supermarket chain in the UK the co-op 
Amazing. And she was just the most lovely, feminine, fabulous person. And again, she said she just loves what she does. Yes. And, you know, there's just all these amazing women out there and getting to the top of their professions. Mm. And I think it's so wonderful to see. And yeah. I love working with women because I think they've got so many skills because mm. when you can rationalize with an irrational toddler you've got amazing people skills, <laughs> absolutely you've got amazing organizational skills you've got three children that are all going to after school activities and you can do all of that and your play groups so just think of all these skills you can bring to the work yeah you know, to bring to work that you've learned as a mother i mean you're very talented as a mother never underestimate what you've learned being a mum, and you can bring that into the workplace and be incredibly successful and yeah, That's people so have written good. books before that were for children and weaning, but they didn't taste good. Mm. And they hadn't probably got the right properly researched advice. Mm-hmm. And I just did it a little bit better and put a bit more heart and soul into it. And it ended up being a very successful book. It was the only, at that time, the only book that had ever been successful on feeding children. And it became the second best-selling hardback nonfiction book of all time. You did do it really well because actually when I had Ella, I didn't know of any other books. Like yours was the only one that was ever spoken there about. There weren't any others. I, no. There weren't any others for nearly 14 years. There's now a mm. proliferate of lots of different books. Mm. But I think my book will always live on because mm. it just has these amazing recipes in it. And at the end of the day, it's what you give your child to eat. It's all very well understanding the theory of it. But what you put on that child's plate and what it tastes like is what really, really matters. <laughs> yeah. Because absolutely. they are, they're very discerning. You've got the you've got the fiercest food critic to please. Yes. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, and they they don't hold back, do they? Like oh, Becky God, was no. saying, mine will look at it and go, I don't like it. Yeah, like you haven't even ta- yeah. you haven't licked you it. Yeah, it's got visible onions or green <laughs> bits in it. So brutal, absolutely. <laughs> but I don't think it's a coincidence that this came from you. You talk about the heart and soul. It's very clear how passionate you are, and and it's very very clear that you carry Natasha's heart you know, with you yeah. through writing all of these books. And that makes it so authentic and, mm. and people can feel that and they can feel that it comes from a really true place. And it's, it's and, lovely. And we try and help mothers. We've, we've actually done a, a complete digital weaning course, which takes you through every single week and every single thing you need to know about weaning. It's a mm. course you can download from my website. And I just think that weaning is such a confusing time and you're told mm. so many different things by so many different people. And we give you what is correct advice what is properly researched advice and will stand you in good stead and then you can make up your own mind what you want to trust and what you don't want to trust but we explain why why we're telling you these things absolutely i think what i set out to do is make a difference i hope that i've done that you absolutely have have done it and actually becky's i think it was becky it was your grandmother who always said in your life you you know you've got to create that ripple in the pond and annabelle you've you've done more than that you've created the waves let's be perfectly honest so you know like you say millions of people buying your books and you just have been a part of of that incredible journey for all of those parents oh annabelle thank you so much for coming on and joining us today it's been such a joy thank you so much Thanks once again to the wonderful Annabelle Carmel for joining us today and talking so honestly about motherhood and sharing her huge amount of experience as a children's food expert with us. We've really enjoyed this season of our podcast and we hope you have too. Please let us know by rating or reviewing the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. Until next time, please enjoy the episodes we have published so far and reach out to us on Instagram at the motherbox and at notes from the mother box and let us know how this podcast has helped you or somebody you know thank you to our guests this season our wonderful partner sophie le giraffe and to our production company factory originals see you next time on notes from the mother box
imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.